Yo, it's Will Pugh from Cartel, and you're listening to We Podcast and We Know Things. Hey everyone, this is May, and you are listening to We Podcast and We Know Things. Well, hello everybody, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of We Podcast and We Know Things. My name is Greg Hall, and I'm joined this week by a fellow Philadelphian, frontman of Valencia, and mind behind Promise of Redemption, Shane Henderson. Shane, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. No worries. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Shane uh, is the, again, like I said, the mind behind Promise of Redemption, the front man of Valencia uh, from our area. So we're really excited. a highly anticipated interview. We've started our dialogue almost actually a little over a month ago about coming on the show. So highly anticipated and much appreciated uh, that you're on tonight. Um, you know, I just said fellow Philadelphia and you said you grew up in the, the Philadelphia suburbs area. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in the Newtown area, Bucks County. Cool. About 90% of our listeners are in the Pennsylvania, like the tri-state area. So uh, cool. there you go. Um, what, you know, when we talk about the Philadelphia music scene, what does that mean to you? When I say the Philly music scene, you've been such a huge part of it yourself. What does the Philly music scene mean to you? Um, well, it's home base pretty much. I mean, um, complete and utter respect to all of the bands that are from this area. There's a lot of talented people from here and uh i think that it was like the early 2000s where we finally started breaking some of the bands that were in the like punk rock kind of pop punk scene um and it's just grown leaps and bounds from then so it's been it's been fun to watch you've recorded like a ton of records since you know i was it 2004 2005 ish um how did you get your start in music in general well, um, pretty much just started playing instruments at a young age, and I always knew I had a, a love of what I was doing with it, and it, was, it wasn't it was like, you know, some things, you do them, and they're a pain in the ass, and it's like you don't really want to do them. Music was, as a kid, I mean, and music was not that for me. It was like, it was fun, and it was exciting, and I always wanted to learn more with it, so it kind of grew as I got older, but... Um, you know, I started idolizing a lot of the bands that I loved and the artists that I loved and going to shows more. And as I as I grew as a person, I just wanted to be playing music. It was just inside of me. I just couldn't help it. Well, what did you listen to growing up? Um, my parents and my brothers and my, you know, my whole family were into like a lot of the classic rock stuff like Tom Petty and Springsteen. Um, and I got my start on like Green Day and Jimmy Eat World and Blink-182. One of my all-time favorite bands is a band called Hot Water Music from Love Florida. Hot yep. Um, so, and no effects. You know, I could go on and on and on, but those bands really shaped me wanting to do music as a career and, like, actually be a musician. My The first cassette tape I ever bought or owned, I should say, I didn't, I didn't buy it. I had parental advisor. I was young. was Dookie from Green Day. It's still one of my favorite records of all time. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's I amazing. bought it. I mean, it's iconic. I, I can listen to it all the way through without skipping a track. You're right. It's iconic. I love the album art. It was the first time I saw album art that I could, that I didn't know what it meant right away. Obviously, <laughs> monkeys throwing shit everywhere, but um, it was awesome. And I remember I bought it or got it. Again, I say bought it. I got it from The Wall. Do you remember The Wall? Yeah, of course, man. You get the sticker. You, you get bring the it sticker. Back, it yeah, it was insane. And that's probably why they're out of business. Or I yeah, guess they, they just is 100% why they're out of business. <laughs> well, actually, no. They're FYE. Is why they're out of business. What did you say? 
I said digital streaming and music is yeah. why they're out of business. That's I think they transitioned into FYE. I'm not sure. Maybe Sam Goody bought them out. I don't remember. But that was such a long time ago. I I got Dookie, and then like uh, I don't know. Four years later, I got DMX. <laughs> that was hot or whatever, and I took them both back, and they they gave me new copies. On I took two cassettes back, and they gave me X two CDs. Give it to you. Yeah, baby. <laughs> we were gonna. Uh, I recently got married. I got married in September, and our original song that we were gonna walk out to was X gonna give it to you, but we could only find like thirty clean seconds. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, so it didn't work out. Uh, that's really funny. So. I, I love hot water music, by the way. Good call on that. Um, so you've been doing Valencia and Promise of Redemption almost simultaneously since the very beginning, no? Yeah, I mean, actually, Promise of Redemption was how I met the other dudes in Valencia. Well, I guess it was that, and I was in a high school band called Attracted to Miss, um, and we played shows in the area together with those guys, and they had asked me to sing in their band and I was like, okay, sure. Uh, at the time the drummer of my band was going to college at Penn state. So he was kind of far away and I was looking for something to keep me busy and playing music. And Brendan and George came up to me and they were like, Hey, do you want to do this? And I said, sure. And next thing I know, we were uh, writing songs in uh, one of our parents' basements <laughs> and it just kind of took off from there. Um, it's kind of funny to like look back on it and think, how it just you just loved doing it so it wasn't like a hassle and it took you somewhere you know it's kind of fun it's just strange (laughs) did at that time was the project called valencia or how did you come up with that name yeah uh it was called valencia pretty much prior to me joining the band i guess i kind of they kind of had the name set before they asked me Mm -hmm. um and uh, Valencia comes from the book Slaughterhouse Five. There's a yep. character in the book called Valencia, mm-hmm. and it also uh, is the Spanish word for strength, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could be wrong. Though. I'm I'm not fluent. I don't know. I took I took four years of Spanish in high school, and I can't speak a word. I took three years of German, but my teacher was a Spanish teacher, so I probably should know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Did so you- yeah, so we um, it just you know it kind of grew from there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but when you guys played Warped, I believe you played Warped 05, and that was before This Could Be a Possibility came out, right? I think it was right after, because This Could Be a Possibility came out, I believe, in October, and so wouldn't Warped Warped be... obviously this summer. Right, so... yeah, so you played Warped a little bit before the record came out, just a couple months, but... Uh... It was either it was either a couple months before or a couple months after. I can't remember if it was because I know people had heard the single because they went nuts when we played the single, right. and it was like kind of astonished. It was our first time kind of witnessing that. That's cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean that Warped Tour was always really good to us. We loved Warped. And how it's do you feel? I was about to say my next question was how do you feel that it's ending? I mean, everything has time and place, and you know, as Warped went on it kind of i could see why they need to take a step back mm-hmm. um i don't think that it, it's going to be gone for good i'm sure they'll probably bring it back right. after a few years and people start missing it seems to be the constant routine for a lot of these things and bands and um i don't know it's just it's like one of those another one of those i keep saying the word but I, iconic it's warp tour you know right. what i mean i've been going to warp tour since 98 so it's like it's just, it's sad. And it, where it started was so rad. I mean, the bands that they used to put on before they were obviously gigantic bands that probably could not 
play warp, you know, like they just could not handle a band that big. But like Green Day, yep. like I remember seeing Green Day at Warped Tour and just being blown away or Blink-182. Mm-hmm. Um, Eminem. 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 Yep, Eminem. Like I remember watching Eminem. Katy Perry was on Warped too. I was, we were on the same tour as Katy Perry. Oh, that that's year. awesome. And I just like, I remember watching her and being like, she's going to be gigantic. Like she's going to be famous. She played I Kiss the Girl every day and it was just like insane. Yeah. And so Warped Tour was like a stepping stone for a lot of those artists and it's it's kind of just sad to see it go. It hasn't been a stepping stone as much, I would say, I guess for a lot of the bands on the main stage, but like back then, man, it was, it was gigantic. That's how I found dozens and dozens and dozens of bands with posters still hanging on my wall in my parents' house from when I was growing up. And you you go there to see, you know, your five, six, seven bands, maybe even more, but you end up coming home with over a dozen that you found and you're just like, this is where I want to be. It was also right before like the internet blew up. I mean, I, my first warp tour was Oh two. I'm only 29. Um, but I, or Oh three, but I, you know, even then I went to see the Euro November motion city, those types of bands. I come home with like hidden in plain view and, uh, this day and age and all these other bands that you just didn't expect to go see. And that's an awesome feeling. That's the beauty of a sampler. And, you know, it's sad that we're in an age where you can't really afford to press a CD anymore because people are going to throw it out. They're going <laughs> to look at the information on it and throw it out. So it's like, I mean, that was the beauty of CDs and samplers. You hand something something physical to someone and they literally have to go and physically put it in their CD player and it makes them think of what they're listening to. Right. Whereas like people just stream through songs on Spotify right now don't even look at the artist half the time. They'll just put on a Spotify playlist, just let it play. It's like completely different. You don't get that tangible thing where you can actually like physically look at the artwork and physically look at the names of the songs and the, and the band and just the label in general that's putting the sampler out. I mean, I miss that. I miss that about Warped Tour. I miss, I'm going to miss that about music in general. Like the direction that we're going. Like you know? five or six years ago, my friend Katie, she got me a Christmas present and it was the Warp Tour 2005 sampler disc. I, and I think it was the one that I let her borrow in high school. I think it was the exact same one that she gave me back. And I remember like Letter Kills and uh, Rise Against. That was the first time I heard Rise Against and these bands that I still listen to nowadays. And I'm like, holy crap, this is incredible. This is the best Christmas present I could have asked for because it's like I got back in a time machine. And I think that's what... You know, looking back on it now, the the thing they say about the Warp Tour now is it's done it's in its current iteration. So to me, that that leaves it a little out there that it could be something different in the future. And again, like you said, could be coming back. I mean, it's it's such a huge tour. But I've asked a bunch of people that we've had on the show, hey, how do you feel that Warp Tour is ending? And we've gotten a, a couple mixed responses. And I think the one that we got that was the most shocking was Danny Stevens. And I know you guys toured with the audition um, before. Uh, are you? Do you kind of keep in touch with Danny at all, or do you? I love Danny. I actually saw Danny in Nashville not too long ago. And um, he, I keep in touch with all the Every Avenue and audition dudes. And that's awesome. They, I remember he. Well, I don't remember. It was in November, so it wasn't that long ago. He completely kind of crapped on Warp Tour, um, and you know, I I never thought of it from that point of view of you know fighting for catering, fighting for water, fighting for this. You know, if you're not on a main stage, it's really hard for you to get the exposure you're looking for. And as a fan, you don't think of it that way. So it was interesting to see it from the other side. Yeah, well, it is. I mean, he the points he makes are completely valid points. I mean, like unless you're on the main stage, you know, you're 
they look at you as like you should be grateful that you're on the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was. I mean, I was <laughs> grateful to be on it. Like, sure. I loved it. It was so fun. It was like, for a lot of smaller bands, that, that might be one of the only tours that you do in a tour bus, right. you know, and get to sleep at night. And like, granted, Valencia did Warped Tour in a van a few times. And it was like the most brutal tour you could ever do in a van because it's 10 hours overnight. Like the routing is for a bus, right? Mm -hmm. So you really need to be dedicated and know what you're doing and like make it count if you're going to be doing that because you're putting your lives on the line. Like literally, I mean, we literally put our lives on the line. I'd never been that tired in my entire life than when we did Warped Tour in a van because you you load in at like seven or seven 30 in the morning and you know, you're there all day and half the time the band's going to hang out when the show's over around eight, go eat barbecue, but you're in a van. You're like, all right, we got 12 hours to like, and we got to cross the border. We're going to have to leave like after we play, you know what I mean? It's mm. just like, that is one of the problems with it. But like, like anything, if you want it bad enough, you're going to work hard enough for it. And for us, it was, that was about getting out, talking to people and like, telling them like you have to force and at a tour that big you have to force your kind of it's sad but you kind of have to like force your music onto people to make it count mm-hmm. because there's so many people there and there's so many bands that their attention span is only going to be so wide and they're also going to be there to see a handful of bands themselves right so you know it's like for us we had to go out with cd players and headphones and be like hey you want to hear our band boom you want to hear our band boom want to hear our band boom like years after we started doing that, I noticed like all of the smaller bands that were fighting for spots were doing that. It was kind of funny. Like at first it was us and a handful of bands just walking around with CD players. And then it turned into like all of the, the baby bands, the smaller bands doing it. And it was, it's a, I thought it was a great idea because number one, it brought a ton of people over to our merch table. Number two, we like figured out a way to sell our CD for super cheap. I think we sold it for like a dollar. We, we talked to the label and like figured it out. And we sold it for a dollar so that we could get it into as many hands as possible because that's overall the most important thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is having people hear it and they can be the judge whether they like it or not and come see you live, but at least you're giving yourself a chance by having them hear it. I can't remember. We had uh, Will Pugh of Cartel on the show a couple weeks ago and then the entire band of May on the week before that. And I can't remember if it was May or Will that said they tried to do Warped one year in a van and they gave similar feedback um, of just how grueling it can it can be, and I can understand that. I mean, it, it, they didn't get as as much detail as you did, so I didn't think about you know borders and twelve hour drive. So you you miss all like the fun, you miss all the good stuff that the main stage bands get. Well, yeah, I mean, not necessarily. You, you just you're just dealing with a little bit more hassle. Gotcha. I think. But like, and obviously, you're only crossing the border maybe once or twice, but still, like, right. I just meant that as like an example of like how it can be different for a band in a van compared to a van and band in a bus. Sure. Tour bus. Now, I mean, it's an obvious point, but like a lot of people don't think of that, you know, right. Plus the, the expense of a tour bus is insane. It can be up in, in the upwards of like thousand to $1,500 a day. Right. So you're taking a hit on a guarantee by doing warp tour in hopes that you're getting yourself in front of more people. So you, it's like give and take here and there to be able to do the tour as a smaller band. Mm-hmm. But in the overall, I'd say that it was worth it. Number one for experience. Number two, because you're out hanging out with all of the bands in that scene and getting to know one another. And like, 
helping being able to help each other out you know like some of our best relationships came from warp tour mm -hmm. like we shared a bus with every avenue and became best friends like it was just like like that you know what i mean that's so incredible yeah obviously it can go the other way too you can share a bus with a band that's just completely <laughs> awful and have a bad experience we were just i guess lucky but at the same time i there's so many reasons why warp tour was like a good decision to make even though you had to uh you know, scrounge a little bit, I guess. <laughs> it's funny. You mentioned bands like Every Avenue and Fantastic Band. I, I hope that we hear music from them uh, again. But something like you know, touring with Every Avenue, even off of Warped Tour, touring with Every Avenue, touring with bands like The Audition, where you guys are grinding and you are uh, trying to build your name just through, like you said, almost guerrilla marketing, going out with CD players and playing the smaller shows, playing the bigger venues. I mean, you've played all over the world, but still, what is it like to go on tour with bands like The Audition or Every Avenue? Well, first of all, when you're on tour with a band that you're kind of at the same level with and have the same drive with, you're rooting each other on. So you, you kind of just like become homies in the sense that you're like all trying to do the same thing and you just want each other to succeed. And I mean, for me, it was like touring with a band like Hit the Lights, mm. like changed my life. Like I made some of the best friends I ever made on that tour and I just... I can think back on all those memories now and like, I am so grateful that I even had that experience. So it's, I mean, you make lifelong friends. I still, when I see Dan in Nashville, I give him a giant hug and just, it's so good to like, just see them. Um, it's hard when you're on tour with someone for almost two months and then they're just gone. You almost like, I mean, for me, I get it. I don't want to say I get attached to people, but it's like, I, I get used to like that camaraderie. And then when it's gone, it's kind of like strange, you know what I mean? So that's another part of like touring that a lot of people don't think of. You become best friends with these people. You're like putting your lives on the line almost, you know, and you just create a bond that is pretty much unbreakable at sometimes. <laughs> well, what are, what are some of the other bands you've, you know, maybe not favorite, but other bands you've gained that bond with, that friendship with over the year that you've toured with? Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of them, you know, I, I hate to like leave some out but sure. hit the lights being one of them every avenue at the audition the all-time low guys um uh a lot of the newfound glory dudes love them so much uh yeah you know just bayside <laughs> i can keep going say anything yeah um they're all amazing human beings and they're successful for a reason because they are amazing human beings and they're talented literally all bands i'm looking at vinyls of right now you pretty you pretty much <laughs> mean all incredible bands yeah like when we got to when we got to do that um say anything motion city soundtrack saves the day tour mm. that right there was three of my favorite bands like and i literally watched every single one of them every night <laughs> now know? i went That's to i went to a show on that tour it was in sayerville new jersey and it was a great big pile of leaves it wasn't you guys Right, we so we only did half that tour. We did the West Coast version. Gotcha. Which and which is weird because you're a Philly East Coast band. Was there thought behind that, or I think it had something. We were. I can't remember what it was. I don't know. I think it was like one. Of, it was a co-headliner between Say Anything and Motion City. Yep. And I think they each picked one support act. Gotcha. Each. And then, you know, depending on the routing, was that's gotcha. just how it was figured out. Yeah. When we saw them, Justin had laryngitis. 
so he could barely sing, and then Kenny played bass for Say Anything. It was still an awesome night, and I had never seen yeah, that Save was, the Day. Yeah, I remember Kenny was on that tour, too. Yeah, that. it was awesome. absolutely awesome. I'll never forget that night. That was actually my first time at Starland, too, so um, it was a really special night. Now, going back into the past, because that's obviously the best place to be, uh, you guys were a finalist for the Band of the Year in 06 for Spin? Yeah, I haven't heard of that since... From then until now, this is the first time it's being brought up. But yeah, we were. <laughs> um, I can't remember who. How did you find that? I didn't even remember that. Don't worry. Much. Don't worry about it. I've been a fan for a long time. I didn't remember that. I'll tell you that much. I did look that up. Your research, my friend. I. That's what I do, man. <laughs> journalism, journalism, and radio major over here. Um, I God, where did I find that? I think it was uh, in another interview I read or watched from like years ago. Usually, when I have a, in, I guess inside baseball for everybody listening, when uh, whenever I do an interview, I do pretty heavy research. Um, usually, we gather folks on the show that a I've listened to, b huge fan of, you know, go a ways back. Sam and I, my co-host, we have extremely similar musical tastes, so we usually have the same exact kind of memories. We were probably at the shows together. Um, both times I saw you guys, I actually, he didn't come with me either time. So it would have been a little bit different for this interview, but gosh, I think it was just in a random interview with some magazine years ago where they talked about it. I cannot remember the band, the other, the other finalist or finalists. Um, but that's just a cool story. Do you feel like that helped? And you know, now that you remember it or are thinking about, it, do you think like that launched you kind of globally? Do you feel like there was a point uh, where you started to realize that you were being recognized all around the world? Do you believe it was maybe the release of uh, "We All Need a Reason to Believe"? Where did you kind of realize that this was going to be a huge project? To be honest, the first time I realized it was when we did the space between video shoot and the mm. line was wrapped around the freaking corner of the street just to get in and be a part of it that's awesome <laughs> like we i guess the album had been out by then but like yeah that was because we hadn't really sold out a sh- well i guess we sold out maybe one show before that or something and then it was just like it people just kept coming and we kept having to move up venues because they kept selling out and it was just kind of happening <laughs> which was really awesome when i think about it when you know when and when I think about Valencia live particularly, I think and you know, I saw you um I saw the two thousand sixteen show um in Philly. I where the hell was that? Was it Electric Factory? I can't remember where that was in twenty sixteen. Um but I saw you back in if I if I remember this right, I think I saw you back in two thousand nine for opening up for the starting line for like their holiday show. Yeah. I remember yeah, that, the TLA. That, that's it. Cause I was, that was the first time I had seen you guys was back in 2009. Um, outside of warped Oh five. I think it was a warped Oh five was the first time I had seen you. Um, but you know, when, when I think about, you know, I love live music, especially local, but I love live music. And when you go, you get, I love, I love the banter, the witty banter in between songs. There's a band jukebox, the ghost, they do it perfectly. Um, they have great synergy and they, they tell jokes in between songs. And then you have somebody like Ace from the other November who is very, very thankful, uh, to everybody in the audience says it a hundred times over the course of the show, but you, you feel like he means it. Uh, and then when you're playing songs, 
you stop singing yourself and you let the crowd take over. When you think back to your time doing songs, I think of, especially when you're playing in Philly, like 10th street, probably that, you know, the line I'm talking about where everybody probably screams it. Um, do you have a song that kind of pops in your head that you always let the crowd sing and you kind of like took you over a little bit? Um, so many, <laughs> I believe it. I totally, I, like I said, there's 10th street. There's away we go. There's the space between there's, uh, where I feel like there's, I feel like there's a part in each song where I'm probably doing that, throwing <laughs> the mic to the crowd. But sure. I think the the most notable for me is probably safe to say. Oh yeah. When we just let the drum, we just let the like kick and snare go, and then have the crowd do the group chant. Mm. Um, that's probably one of my favorites because like it's literally. I remember I used to look back at Max when he was playing it, and he would just like stop on the snare and like the lights would go on and the crowd would just keep singing that part and we would just stand there and come back in like seamlessly with that like same drum fill and i I just would get chills myself even just being on stage being a part of it it was it's crazy when you think about it (laughs) Uh, i would be i'd be remiss to say i'm getting a little chills myself here thinking about that that's got to be a cool feeling um but you guys went on a hiatus in 2011 uh, what were you doing specifically during that time in the hiatus? Did you really kind of launch Promise of Redemption, or what, what were you doing in those couple years that you guys took that hiatus? I started uh, really getting into music engineering mm-hmm. and production. Um, so I actually started working at a company called BMG, which is a music publishing company, as a, an engineer for their studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just doing a lot of music publishing, songwriting, and co-writing, and uh, just really getting into songwriting quite a bit. Uh, I started working for a site called Downright. Uh huh. I've seen you on that. Yeah. Yeah, and um, that has allowed me to write personalized songs for fans. They just they order them through the site and give me the information. I write a song about it, and sometimes they'll tell me like, "Hey, I want this to kind of sound like uh, the Abbott Brothers or something a little different from what I'm usually do," and that allows me to kind of blend what I, what I do with a different style and it kind of opens me up to a different kind of songwriting and it's fun yeah um so in the time between the band you know i was doing por quite quite extensively i put out a couple por albums uh mostly eps working on a full length right now for it uh played a bunch of shows did did um i even did we all need a reason to believe acoustic shows where i played the whole album in full that's awesome um did that i think probably like eight or nine shows just across the country Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just been focusing on songwriting and engineering and producing and the beauty of writing music and playing music. Well, what's the difference for you playing in Valencia or singing in Valencia up on stage compared to the more stripped down POR kind of intimate setting for that? Um, you know, energy wise kind of not very different because once you like get going, you're going and right. you're just in. You're just kind of in it at that point. At least for me, I kind of just like get in the zone and just go for it. Um, whereas I guess like with Valencia, you know, you have a full band and drums and it's like upbeat, faster music. So I actually feel like I slip into the acoustic POR thing with my voice like a little bit better. I don't know why. I think maybe it's just I have full control over the tempo and the movement. Mm-hmm. and can play play with the crowd in that sense like kind of how we were talking with like stopping and singing like i can do that myself but with the acoustic and like 
lately with the por stuff i've actually been incorporating full band to it so i think this more stripped down stuff will still be there Mm -hmm. but it's going in in the more direction of like just overall produced songs and like well-written melodic songs now is that you playing every instrument or did you do you have an actual band that's with you so the demos i'm pretty much playing everything on um you know some of it's like some of the demos are just like midi drums and stuff like that but uh when i go in to record i'm gonna use um pretty much the guys i've been using Mm -hmm. i think for for the full band stuff so um it's gonna be it's going to be the same, but different. It's hard to explain because it's like the same songwriting, but the sonically it's, it's quite different. It's just a bit more full and a bit more like ambient and just kind of out there. Um, but maintaining that kind of rock alternative vibe energy wise, you know, I'm still a huge fan of how fast is that? Uh, is that cliche of me? I hope not. Okay, hope good. Good. Now. Because that's like, that is my absolute favorite POR song, and I listen to it, I would almost say daily. It's It's been pretty sad for the last 10 years that <laughs> 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 I've listened to that song for so long, but you're now, well, you've been a part. I shouldn't say you're now a part. You've been a part of No Hope Records, which is more of a local, a Philadelphia label. I believe JD, who is or was in Valencia, is a part owner to that label. Yeah, um, so JD and Sean uh, created No Hope Records and um, have been doing great work with a lot of the area artists. And when I hit them up, I was like, hey, I have these songs. Um, You know, I don't have any, like, real labels looking at it, and I want to work with you guys. And it was just that simple, and they were like, let's do it. So they they started mostly as like vinyl. They were thinking about just kind of sticking to vinyl, but as they grew, uh, they wanted to release new music and and do it the full record label way. And so it's been a fun process growing with them. Um, I love what they do. I love how passionate they are. Uh, and from the moment they they were down, they were down. You know, they they've been helping me. Sean has been and like amazing integral part to all of the behind the scenes workings of the project itself and like all the stuff going on with the albums and the eps and and the shows and the tours and he's been like a godsend to me with all that stuff so um i love no hope records and i'm stoked to be with them you you (laughs) you released before and after which is more of like a demos and b-sides uh you've released where you ought to be under no hope um, I know we talked about uh, How Fast, which is not on a record that was released under No Hope. What other POR records do you have out there for people to listen to? So the first album, which is very, uh, I think I was like 16 or 17 when I did it. Actually, Away We Go is on, the first version of Away We Go is on that first album. Uh, I believe it came out in 2003 four, three, or two, four. Yeah, wow. or four, something like that. Um and it's called The Lights That Flicker Will Surely Fade. It was my first attempt at a POR album. Um, Where'd you record that? That I did at Skylight okay, with cool. Vince Ratty, nice. where we did uh, This Could Be a Possibility. Nice. Um, yeah, so, wow, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry to pull the nostalgia strings. 
No, it's okay. But uh, that album came out on an awesome California label called Pacific Ridge Records. What else? You have, um, oh God, something about Bloom. I can't remember the damn name. When the Flowers Bloom. When the Flowers Bloom. Thank you. That was, what, 10 years ago? Yeah, When the Flowers Bloom. Actually, we just did the 10-year anniversary in December for it. That's awesome. Um, so that's been, that came out on I Surrender, which is Valencia's label. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah that was probably the biggest stepping stone for por i think what songs i guess you know actually something popped in my head that i want to bring up you'd mentioned with no hope really starting off they wanted to really do a lot of vinyl and i wanted to just i guess make a point maybe agree or disagree that you had said earlier you know now it's about going on spotify you listen to a playlist you're streaming the playlist you're not really into the artist you don't really get to press the cd anymore and um, it's difficult to get that physical, like that physical item into someone's hands. I, I would say though, that vinyl is making a comeback. So it's, it is almost like instead of CDs, now we're moving towards an age where vinyl is the cool thing or vinyl is the new thing. Like I said earlier, I have a ton of vinyls sitting right next to me. Pet sounds is basically in my lap right now. Um, do you agree that now, you know, we are moving to more of a vinyl age and if so, are you putting anything out on vinyl yourself? See, here's the thing, and I wanted to, like, say this right when you were talking about that. So, in my mind, it's like this. So, like, you, the people that we're talking about with with the feeling of loving going to the store and picking up a CD and having it in your hand and reading the artwork and having something tangible that you're, like, looking at, Mm -hmm. you're one of those people, right? Correct. I will always be a physical, I'm not a digital person. Right. I'm one of those people, right? So Sean's one of those people. All I feel like the people that love vinyl are the people that are craving that like feeling of having something physical in your hands, but it's still music. And it's like a connection to the artist. You're supporting the artist. You're supporting a band that you love. And I think all of us people who love vinyl were those people that loved going to the store and picking up the CD and doing all that. You'll, I guarantee you, if you f- go find somebody on the street that says their only source of playing music is through a streaming device, I, I can almost bet, well, not now, because you can't really like listen to f- CDs or anything anymore like that, so I guess I'm kind of off base there, but like, I bet that they wouldn't have a vinyl player, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's where I was going with it. It's like, the people like us that, that love vinyl and love having that physical... Uh, thing in your hands that tangible thing love vinyl and we loved going to get cds and i think there's a generation of people that will never know that feeling that's sad (laughs) i'm almost like depressed like hearing you say that my record player's uh, six inches to my right it's a record player with a built-in cd player and a cassette tape player so i can still listen to dookie i can still listen to dmx and i can pop on a vinyl all at the same time so i'm with you i i'm gonna need to borrow that dmx vinyl (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he just played the TLA like three months ago. Uh, it was amazing. Um, it's funny. Did X give it to you? He gave it. He gave it. Um, <laughs> it was. It's almost like I spent. I spent so many of my afternoons as a as a youth, as we'll say, uh, in Sam Goodies, in Fye or the Wall or wherever. Just picking up CDs that I'd never heard. You know, sometimes you could scan it and get like a preview or whatever, um, but. I just remember looking at the song titles, and that's what would make me buy a record. Uh, do you do you remember a band called Rufio? 
Of course. I bought Rufio's first, I think it's called Perhaps I Suppose. I bought their first record in a Hot Topic when I was like 13, uh, having no idea what it was. But I saw, in the. I was like, oh, Rufio, Captain Hook, dude, I'm in, done. And I just bought it, took it home, and was just amazed and wowed. And I think that's kind of almost where my launching pad of wanting to always have physical media. I do it now. I'm a pretty big nerd. I have a Blu-ray collection. I'm a big gamer, and all my games are physical. I don't do a lot of the digital downloading, so I'm with you there. I still love, on like a Sunday afternoon, putting on a record, and even though I know the lyrics, opening up the lyric sheet and reading along, just in case I miss something. Yeah. It's just a, it's I used a, to love going through the lyrics, because like half the time you have no idea what people are saying, so... <laughs> You get to finally, like, see what they're saying. And I love, like, sitting with the song, thinking I know the lyrics, reading that they're completely different later. That's, like, the most hilarious thing to me. It's like, I'll be singing the, the words that I thought they were, and someone will be like, what did you say? And I'll, oh, it's blah, blah, blah. Then they laugh at me and go, that's not what he says. And it's just like, oh. Did you ever, this Sorry. was, like, one of the first videos ever released on YouTube. It was, like, 12 years ago did you ever see the the uh i guess you call it a lyric video of um fallout boy sugar were going down where they put the lyrics that were interpreted instead of the real lyrics oh yeah oh god that was one of the funniest like first viral videos i'd ever seen and that was so good because i was like wait that's not what they're saying that's insane I'm, I'm totally with you um i mean green day listen to billy joe and tell me you can understand half the shit he said back in you know the dookie or the kerplunk days and no i needed those lyrics they were they were very important to me now again moving forward you have i believe a show come up in may for rock the truck can you tell us a little bit about that yeah so rock the truck uh is an amazing night that we're gonna have uh may 19th at the trocadero in philly and it's to benefit this incredible organization called play on philly um, Play on Philly brings music lessons and instruments to inner city children who might not otherwise get the opportunity to learn music and have an instrument. Um, we have been doing quite a bit with them lately and going in and seeing what they do. And it's very inspiring. And all the people that work for them are incredible. It's just watching them feel the joy of learning music and being in a band or being in an orchestra is just, it's great. It's, it takes me back to those times I was talking about where I was like, just knew I loved music and you can see it in the kids' eyes that they're enjoying it. So we're going to do this show. We're going to benefit play on Philly and there's a ton of great area bands playing it. Um, I'm going to be doing a bunch of songs from various catalogs I've been in, like, the POR stuff and uh, a few Valencia songs that people might not have heard me do solo before. Um, Breaking news, everyone. (laughs) So, yeah, so it's just going to be me, but still I um, have plans to play some songs that I have not really played that much by myself. For those of you who have seen me out there quite a few times, you know, the songs I'm talking about that I play kind of repetitively. Mm. Um, so this will be a little different, and the arrangements are going to be a little different than how I usually do it. So we're going to make it a special, unique, one-time-only night. And if you want to come support a great organization and some great Philly bands, then I suggest buying a ticket because it's going to be fun. And for anybody out there that wants to know how to buy a ticket, it'll be I'm going to post it to our Instagram, which is at We Podcast, and we know things. So check that out, and you can see how to purchase tickets. It's two days after my 30th birthday. However, my cousin's getting uh. that. My cousin's getting married that night. Ah, uh, 
Well, that... I'll be thinking of you. And um, <laughs> sure. also, I just wanted to give a shout out to my, my buddy Cole Selleck, who's putting on the show. Um, he's been amazing this whole time, and he's completely inspired, and, and it's great to see him uh, just loving what he's doing with this. Um, he's uh, from Radio 104.5, for those of you who are in the area. And <clears throat> actually, the day before the show, I'm going to be on Radio 104.5 doing a live at 5 at 5 p.m. Awesome. Um, and if you're and not in the area, me. if you're not in the area, they stream this on their website. So check it out. Yeah, iHeartRadio. Yep. You can actually listen on iHeartRadio. Yeah. Um, so that's at 5 o'clock on Friday, May 18th. The show's on uh, Saturday, May 19th. And it's going to be great. That's awesome. Looking forward to that. Now, as everybody out there listening knows, we are a nerdy podcast. We do uh, music, music, gaming, uh, TV, everything under the sun. Um, so my last question of music before I transition to some nerdy stuff, because I'm going to hit you with some nerdy stuff, maybe, if you are a nerd, if not. <laughs> uh, I talked a little bit about, a little bit ago about those 2016 shows where Valencia came back for just two shows. Um, those were the last big Valencia shows, if I remember correctly. I mean, maybe you had some smaller stuff going on, but am I right in saying that? Yeah, we. I mean, we hadn't played a single show up until then for what, many, many years. Then what are your memories of those last two shows they had? I think New York and then Philly. You know, it's funny, but, like, honestly, they were my absolute favorite shows. I mean, you would think, like, I would look back on, like, some of the hype moments and say that, but there was just something about the feeling of having everyone there and the family and, like, realizing that we kind of, like, were the conduit to all these people kind of getting together and like seeing the group of the groups of friends that came out of coming to the shows, you know what I mean? That they mm -hmm. all became friends themselves. And it's just, it was just like a, it's just a big family. It felt great. And I mean, we did it at the Fillmore, which is obviously one of the most beautiful venues in the country. It is so um, awesome. The chandeliers hanging all over the oh, just beautiful. The place. sound was impeccable. It, and was, it, was just, yeah. it was a great experience. And I, I would love to do that again. <laughs> Shout out to Northern Liberties. Please. They they rock there. Johnny Brenda's the Foundry, or I'm sorry, the Fillmore with the Foundry in there. Um, I can't something Hall Frankfurt Frankfurt Hall, I think it is. Insane, insane place. And plus, I got to give a shout out to my guys at the Barcade because there's nothing more I like than going to see live music than getting drunk and playing to, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the arcade <laughs> machine. Uh, before we transition over to the nerdy stuff, do you have anything else you want to add? Maybe about music, POR, Valencia, anything at all? Um, just that I'm really thankful to anyone who's ever uh, supported the music that Valencia or I have done, and. Uh, I'm going to keep doing it because I love doing it. So I hope that you keep listening and enjoying it and coming to see some shows. Now, I, I th thought I heard you mention that you are working on new POR stuff as well. Yeah, so I'm 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 writing. Awesome. So <laughs> writing and recording. Be and on I the have Sorry. Tons of songs that I need to get out. <laughs> awesome. It's at Promise of Redemption at Valencia Shane, I believe. Yeah, so the Instagrams are at Valencia Shane for my personal and then at Promise of Redemption uh, for the POR Insta. Awesome. So anything you guys want, uh, updates on how POR is doing, the new record, the new music, whatever the case may be, follow there or follow us. We'll be sure to post it on our Instagram whenever we get wind of it uh, as well. But now the, the time has come, and I'll be disappointed. We didn't talk about this before we came on the air, so I don't know. Maybe I'm going to get let down. Maybe I won't. <laughs> um, I, I'm crossing my fingers here, but 
What is the nerdiest thing about you? Oh, Lord. Um, I'll, I'll give you... Danny said that it was that he just went to Walmart and bought a tech deck. <laughs> well, I'm staring at my Xbox right now. Yes. Um, I'm a big computer nerd. Like, I'm obviously, I'm a sound engineer, so I'm, like, obsessed with computers and sure. apps and, and sound recording equipment. Sure. <laughs> That's probably... I think the nerdiest thing about me is that I could talk about music gear for, like and microphones and preamps and stuff for like <laughs> hours at a time with people to the point where people just look at me and like, are you ready to go yet? <laughs> no, I want to talk about this microphone. <laughs> That's funny. We, uh, we actually had Joe Rio of hidden in plain view on the show as well. And he, uh, he said, I was like, what's the difference kind of, I'm paraphrasing the question, but it was like, what's the difference when you're in a van and everyone's playing on their acoustic, but you're the singer. You can't like, do that and he's like yeah if i pull out my sweet mic it's not plugged in i'm like check out my pr 135 or whatever he said i can't remember but it was so funny at the time because i was like damn the life of the lead singer man that's a shame but well that's why you gotta sing and play guitar and and you do for pr they forced me they forced me into a standalone singer (laughs) but i worked my way back in (laughs) three guitars or not i don't care i'm playing guitar (laughs) (laughs) uh real quick actually what age did you start playing guitar oh uh 10, 10 or 11. I never had a guitar lesson in my life. Good for you. That is always our follow-up question is, are you self-taught? Good for freaking you. Almost everyone that comes on the show says they were self-taught, and that's awesome. I think uh, either Will or Danny said they had like three lessons and gave up, so good for you guys. Um, I'm a F-level musician that also taught myself, (laughs) which is why I'm F-level. But yeah, go find me on my shitty YouTube. So for you, film. Do you have any films? Uh, I'm my three favorite films of all time, and Sam will kick my ass when he hears me because I say it all the time. Number one is that thing you do. My second favorite is Empire Records, and my third favorite is The Room. Um, yes, that The Room. Uh, what about you? What kind of films do you, are you into? All right, so um, this is going to tie back to the nerdiest thing about me. I have a better answer. I'm ready I, for it. I'm slightly obsessed with Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, that's to the point where I've been to both Harry Potter lands and <laughs> love it. Um, and we'll wait hours in line just to do the castle ride. <laughs> My wife is obsessed with Harry Potter. She's downstairs. I almost want to call her up and just have her sit down. You guys can start talking about Harry Potter. I'm not a fan. I tried my hardest. It's just, it never spoke to me. You're just not a whimsical person. I'm not. I have no whimsical. I don't have a whimsical <laughs> bone in my body, apparently. Uh, I don't want to. I don't know. I don't like hiding under the steps uh, for my uncle to like yell at me and shit. I don't know. That never. He wasn't hiding. Me. He was locked he was, in there. You're right. You're right. He was locked in there. My bad. Even worse. Don't tempt me with Harry Potter trivia. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, I will get it right. You know what? I don't even know any, so I can't even ask you any. Um, she makes like custom wine glasses and custom tank tops, and there. And one says. Oh, what the hell's the line? It's like it's not mimiosa, it's mimiosa or something. So she has she has it's not mimosa, it's mimosa. And that's yeah. that's her favorite. That's <laughs> I got to tell her about this. She's going to get a kick out of it. What else besides Harry Potter and the land of the whimsical? <laughs> um well, Back to the Future is probably always my favorite. Hell yeah. Like, I'm still I'm still a little kid. What about the third one? Uh, third one I still love. Oh, okay, all right. Still great. That's yeah. loyalty. Jurassic Park. Love it. Um, Jeff Goldblum. That's how I got into oh, him. Love God, him. Yeah, he is the man. He's uh, they're doing a new Jurassic Park game where it's like 
SimCity almost. You can actually build a Jurassic Park, and he's actually reprising his role as Dr. Ian Malcolm for the game. That's amazing. I'm so hyped. It's coming to Xbox, too, so I'm pretty hyped on that. Um, sadly, I have two Xbox Ones. I have 13 consoles. I'm looking at six of them right now. <laughs> Uh, we'll I get, have one of your controllers, but my <laughs> controllers are broken. Well, we're going to get into the They're gaming. They're not completely worry. broken, but the joystick broke because I pressed it down too hard. <laughs> what about uh, what about television? Uh, anything on Netflix or Amazon? Breaking Bad, Walking Dead, oh, anything like God, that? Oh God, get me started on this. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, the, well, the newest that I'm like super obsessed with is The Looming Tower. Never heard of it. What's that on? It's on Hulu. Ah, see, that's the one streaming service neither Sam nor I have. Um, I mean, I'm obsessed with Fear the Walking Dead. I actually fear the Walking Dead more than the Walking Dead. Really? We hate that uh, well, show. Well, no. Oh. The, first, the first four seasons of the Walking Dead are in, in amazing. Oh my gosh! And it's just kind of. I still like it. But yeah. I just for some reason connect with the characters more. It's funny because uh, in I think in we're on episode. Let's see. I think 83 is going to be this weekend or whenever we can do it now. Um, and this is our 13th interview, so we're we're rocking about 100 episodes. And I would say on 97 of them, we mentioned how much we hate Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, and, oh, really? Yeah, and I, I, I do agree with you, though. The first four seasons of The Walking Dead are the only good ones to me. That's where I fell off. Um, I fell off in season four. Rick's in a coma on a couch, and Michonne and Carl are... Um, Sitting, eating like pudding or like breakfast, and they're just yeah, they're just talking. They're not. Bored. They're not even talking. They're just staring at each other. And I was like, "This is taking up the screen time. Like, this is the filler you're hitting me well, with." See, that's why I like Fear the Walking Dead because it's constant action. They're like constantly running. You call that action? <laughs> oh man, they had to bring in Morgan just to save that show. I don't think that show is going to make it another two seasons, which is a shame. Actually, they already said that they're combining both. Did you know that? They're doing a crossover. Well, they're doing a crossover, and it's going to be um, – they're starting with a crossover. So I know eventually down the road they want to combine them. They're starting with a crossover where Morgan's now going to be a full-time character on Fear. He only made like a cameo, I believe, but now he's going to be like full-time. And then now with The Walking Dead kind of going the route it's going, I wouldn't be surprised if it's another season or two before they meet up. But I would assume that that's going to take the moniker – of the Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead is going to kind of hit the old dusty trail. Well, I hope not. I like it, regardless of how much you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, any, any and they're other? also they're also making their way to Texas in the pre-story of Texas. You know who that is, right? I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. They um they're making their way up towards Texas, uh-huh. which people are assuming is going to be the crossover location. Oh, uh, okay. And the pre-story of um, not Gabriel. What's his name? Red-haired guy. Abraham? Abraham. His pre-story is there. Oh, God. Oh, that's going to be exciting. I don't know, man. They might they might take six episodes to tell that story. Or maybe <laughs> it's going to be great. What other uh, TV shows are you into? Um, I love comedies. Like, L.A. to Vegas is really yes, funny now. Yes, now we're talking. The Mick, uh, AP by all the people from It's Always Sunny are, like, crushing it right now. The Mick now. is so underrated because nobody oh, talks about it. Oh, my God, it. it's so funny. We watch it, like all the time and i there's not a moment where i'm not like dying laughing it's great the fact that somebody gets immensely hurt in every episode <laughs> is so and yet at our age we still find somebody getting hurt funny yeah well 
They do it as funny. This so. is see, now, this is great. We're striking a chord here. Pardon the musical pun. I love it. I was ex- I was hoping the way you kind of teased me a little bit there was, oh no, I'm not into this. I'm not a big fan. You are totally a nerd, and I love it. I love every second <laughs> of it. Um, I'm gonna name a few that I'm into. See if you've heard of any or watched any. Um, the newest phenomenon that's taken over my life. We're already done, unfortunately. Uh, everything sucks. I haven't seen it yet, but a- I've. It's in the Netflix Good. queue. It's, oh my God. First of all, the soundtrack is, it's just all 90s. So it's just like Gin Blossoms and Elton John and, oh my God, and Oasis. Oh, I'm just like, I'm in heaven when I watch that show because I was like, I didn't have an AV club uh, in my high school, but I, like I told you earlier, radio journalism major, like I'm totally into that kind of back behind the camera stuff and, and, and even doing production myself. And I love that, but that's what this is about. It's about the drama club and the AV club coming together. And Oh my God, it's so good. And I'm like, nice. and I'm like, Oh, every relationship I ever had in grade school just happened to me in, in this 10 episode series. Great. Um, yeah. What about red Oaks on uh, Amazon prime? No, but thank you. I need to, I need some new Amazon prime shows cause I've seen them all and they're all like, they all keep saying coming soon. <laughs> Red Oaks is um takes place in like South Jersey. Like picture I think they even say like Cherry Hill. Um and it's about a kid who becomes an assistant tennis pro over the summer and it's three seasons. It's only twenty six episodes, the whole series, it's already over, and it's only a half hour an episode, and you'll probably start it on tomorrow and be finished by like Saturday night. It's that good. Um it's ultimately bingeable, but it's a, like his life. He starts off as this tennis pro and his life takes him to these other places. I won't kind of get into yet, but it's the first show that I invested in multiple seasons that I said, you know what? I'm very satisfied with that ending. It ended perfectly. So yeah, can't, can't, well, can't recommend wait. it. Can't recommend it enough. Um, trying to get into like Narcos, but Narcos is amazing. Are you kidding me? I, I, no, I haven't started it yet. Like trying oh, to get into it. Um, I, I was you were saying you weren't no, the first season of Narcos is intense. It's awesome. They just announced a Narcos video game for next year, so I don't know how that's going to go over. But um, shoot, Sneaky Pete, have you seen Sneaky Pete? We just Amazon? watched it last weekend. We just first season's amazing. I haven't seen the second season yet. Well, but... the second season apparently Ethan Hawke is it Ethan Hawke? I can't remember who it is. It's the kid from that thing you do in Empire Records, and I can't remember his damn name. Um, I th- think it's Ethan Hawke. But he's like in it a lot more, and I'm I'm a huge fan of the first. I would say the first seven eighths of the first season. I was totally down with. I was kind of disappointed with the way it ended. For Sneaky Pete, yeah, season one. Uh, season one, a little bit. Yeah, they were leaving. They were leaving it open for season two. Clearly, uh, clearly. But season two, she started watching it. I I kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, March Madness started, so that's kind of yeah. On top of yeah. being a nerd, I'm a huge into sports myself. Big Flyers guy got the game on on the TV. Are they, is they still winning one nothing? It's three to one, three to one. Oh great! Yeah, um, that yeah. For everybody that's listening on demand, uh, it's uh, Thursday the twenty second of March. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned uh, we'll we'll wrap with this. You you mentioned gaming. You have an Xbox in front of you. Um, growing up, were you a gamer at all, or is this more of a recent thing? No, I mean as a kid, I always loved games. Video awesome. Games. I had a, you know, I had a Nintendo, had a Nintendo 64, you know, the constant progression. Have both of those to my Mega. left. Yeah. Have. I mean, I was obsessed with Sonic the Hedgehog. So, 
the fact that my nephew loves Sonic the Hedgehog and runs around pretending to be him, I think is awesome, <laughs> because I thought he would be extinct by now. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, Sega just announced for Xbox One and PS4 the Sega Classic Collection with 50 Genesis games in one, coming out in May of this year. That's pretty awesome. Sonic 1, 2, Mega Mega Man? No, Mega Man was uh, Mega Man got his own collection on Xbox One and PS4 with all ten games. Nice. Well, I'm in. I'm in the dark here, man. I got to get a new controller so I can play. <laughs> Dude, anything you need, you let me know. I can. To my left, I've. Yeah, let me borrow one of your fourteen consoles. There you go. To my left only. This is not including downstairs in my living room, where my wife hates that I have all these consoles. Uh, <laughs> to my left now, I have a PS2, an NES, a Super Nintendo, an N64, a GameCube, and a second and a second Super Nintendo. Uh, in the other room, I got a second Xbox One, and downstairs, I have my Nintendo Switch, my Wii U my PS4 and my Xbox one. So I think that's, I think that's, <laughs> so, so let me ask you something. When you leave the house, do you immediately feel the shakes? <laughs> Dude, I don't, this is going to sound like I'm lying. <laughs> it's going to sound like I'm lying. I don't play them as much as I'd like to. Or no, I, I'm to. just kidding. Um, <laughs> I do go with through withdrawal. I do. Um, <laughs> you know, there, that's why I have the switch though. Cause I can take it with me on the go, uh, which is, go. which is nice, but I tend to play super Nintendo more than anything. Um, I um do you know anything or hear anything about like speed running? No. It's basically beating a video game as fast as possible. Uh, <laughs> and I'm in the, I that's my biggest passion for why I play games. So, for example, um I can beat Super Mario Bros, the original one on the NES in 5 minutes and 16 seconds. No way. It's a it's I'm top 200 in the world. Are you kidding me? I can I have video proof. Wait, you have all friend. the shortcuts? Uh, yeah, there's, I take the warps, but I do it in a way that you're not supposed to. There's, it's literally called a wrong warp because it's supposed to take me to somewhere, but it takes me to a vine up to 4-2. I'm really getting into it, the weeds now. Um, <laughs> uh, I can beat it without taking warps in 23 minutes. So ever, all 32 stages, I can beat in 23 minutes. Um, which is also pretty damn nerdy. Um, that's top 100 in the world. So it's sad. It's sad. I, Please tell me you have this on YouTube. I have, uh, I have the, I have both of them actually. As a matter of fact, I have the five minute and sixteen on. I, I have video, yes, on Twitch, not YouTube. I have a couple of my speedrun fails on YouTube, um, where I make it to like the end and Bowser kills me with his axes. Uh, but yes, I will. You know what I'll do when I email you this episode? I'll throw in a couple links, man. I'll, I'll throw in a couple links to, right. to, to my nerdy ass speedrunning bullshit <laughs> i had such a passion i'm such a nerd i went to a speedrunning convention in herndon virginia in 2017 with thousands and thousands of other people in the room and when i'm the coolest kid in the room there's a problem um but it was the neatest experience i took four days off of work to go watch people play video games fast it was <laughs> Just when you say it like that, you know, but it was so much fun. I love the community. I love speedrunning, and I do I, I do love gaming. I, if I'm not playing them, I'm talking about them, and I, like I said, my wife, she knew what she was getting into. That's what I'll, that's what I'll end with. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for taking the time tonight to hang out, to tell me the stories that you did. I really appreciate you coming on, um, and, you know, again – Thank you for everything you've done for music and what you're going to do. I'm excited for the future for POR and um, just, again, grateful and appreciated for what you've done in the past as well. So thank you, Shane. 
Oh, that's sweet of you. Thank you. No problem. Shane, hang on the line for just a second, but this has been the very special bonus episode of We Podcast and We Know Things featuring Shane Henderson. We will see you this coming weekend for episode 84.